السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين وابن سيد الوسيم والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to episode number 27 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Wa Muawiyah. After the ziyarah begins sending la'an upon people by name again, the first one of those being Aba Sufyan, Allahumma al'an Aba Sufyan, it continues by saying Wa Muawiyah and Muawiyah. And of course, this will be continued with. Yazid bin Muawiyah afterwards. We'll talk about him separately in another episode. But in this episode, we want to talk about Muawiyah, inshallah. Muawiyah, lots of books have been written on him. There are lots of works on him in the Shi'i school of thought, Sunni school of thought. Lots of books against him and also books in his favor, actually. In the Sunni school of thought, you can say there are different opinions on him, um, some might be a little critical of him that, oh, he ter- he changed the Khilafah from an actual Khilafah to a monarchy, but they will still keep his respect. Others will not hold respect for him because of different things that he has been accused for. But I would say a lot of people will maybe revere him because he's a Sahabi, he's seen as a Sahabi of the Prophet In the Shi'i school of thought, of course, he is one of the most controversial figures ever, ever. And the Shi'i school of thought uh, will not uh, see him as someone that was on the right side. And there are many, many issues in regards to him. But let's talk about him a little bit. So as we all know, his father, he was forced to embrace Islam. Regarding the Islam of Muawiyah, because we all know he was on the side of his dad. He was an enemy of Islam as well. But once his dad embraces Islam, of course, Muawiyah has no choice but to embrace Islam as well by force. After the Prophet comes and takes over Mecca, Muawiyah is also uh, reported to have embraced Islam. Now, there is a report that says that he says, I had become Muslim before that conquest of Mecca. I was just hiding my Islam. But brothers and sisters, given his report card, given uh, everything that he did after the Holy Prophet this is something that we will say and as Shia we will say that that's just something that he's saying to maybe save face and to cover certain things up or else we believe that he was forced to embrace Islam just like his father Abu Sufyan during Abu Bakr's time he was alongside his brother Yazid if you remember in a previous episode I, I explained how Abu Sufyan had um a son by the name of Yazid. So Muawiyah has a son by the name of Yazid. Abu Sufyan also has a son by the name of Yazid. This Yazid being the brother of Muawiyah. So during Abu Bakr's time, Muawiyah was alongside his brother Yazid as they defeated the Byzantines. And so his brother was in charge after that and was made governor of those lands uh, of Sham. But then eventually during Umar's time, uh, Yazid bin Abi Sufyan, son of Abu Sufyan, dies uh, due to the plague uh, in those areas and in that region. And so, who succeeds him? Muawiyah succeeds him during Umar's time, 
And Umar not only just gives him the same lands that he was in charge, that his brother was in charge of, but rather gives him even more uh, power uh, of the greater, of the entire greater Sham region, not just Sham itself or Damascus itself, but like greater Sham, the greater Sham region, let's call it. All of that, the suburbs, everything, the surrounding cities, etc. Fast forward to Uthman's time, the third Khalifa. Of course, during Uthman's time, the Banu Umayyah have really gained power and they're moving forward full steam. And um, as I've explained in another podcast series, the uh, Prophet to Yazid, from the Prophet to Yazid podcast series, over there I've explained in, de in detail what Uthman did, mistakes that he made that eventually caused the people to just lose it, kind of. And they besieged the palace of Uthman. They surrounded it. And there are a lot of details. As I said, I refer you to that podcast series of Marwan's involvement in all of this and how Marwan writes a letter that gets Uthman even in, in even bigger trouble. And those who had come to Medina from different parts of the Muslim world objecting to the policies of Uthman and objecting to the fact that he's just plugging in his relatives and anyone who's Banu Umayyah to run things throughout this Muslim empire. These people, they really were pushed over the edge when the, the letter of Marwan was exposed and they got a hold of it and saw what was written in it. And so anyway, it's a long story, brothers and sisters, the details of that, inshallah, you can refer to in that series or elsewhere. But this eventually led to the assassination of Uthman. Now, this is the part I want to bring up here is that Uthman is writing to Muawiyah, asking for help, because Muawiyah had a lot of power in Sham. He was like a semi-Khalifa for, you know, for himself there. And so Uthman is asking for this help. The thing is that uh, Muawiyah keeps putting off helping Uthman, sending an army to help him. Even if he does send an army out, he tells them to wait a little bit. And so time is lost here. And those who were revolting against Uthman, eventually they assassinate Uthman. Of course, in all of this, Amir al-Mu'minin Ali ibn Abi Talib salam, he was against it. He didn't want this to happen. At the end of the day, if the Khalifa of the Muslimin is killed, that's not going to be good for Islam all in all, no matter who it is that is in charge, no matter who it is that is Khalifa. And it does, regardless of whether Ali ibn Abi Talib salam, agrees with that person being Khalifa, all in all, this position, this rank can't be compromised. And it is compromised eventually. And so Muawiyah is nowhere to be found to help Uthman. And history will have reports in which Uthman is scolding Muawiyah that you're not helping me on purpose. You're waiting for this thing to end in a bad way. Eventually Muawiyah is nowhere to be found and Uthman is assassinated. Now let's go to Imam Ali's time. Imam Ali being Khalifa. When Imam Ali becomes Khalifa, he wants to replace Muawiyah with someone else. They say he wanted to send Ibn Abbas as the uh, governor of Sham and the, and the region of Sham. And of course, Muawiyah is not going to give in to this. He's not going to agree to this. What excuse can I have? Because this is the Khalifa of the Muslimin telling me to relinquish my position. So what is the excuse that is used to go against Ali salam and his command? It's the fact that he says that Muawiyah says to Ali ibn Abi Talib that no, no, first, my cousin Uthman has been assassinated. I need to avenge the death of Uthman, hand over the killers of Uthman. Imam Ali says, now's not the time. Let us first figure other things out. And then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. 
or we'll, we'll, we'll address this issue. But Muawiyah makes this an excuse. At the same time, the Battle of Jamal and the army of Basra, that all of that happens. And so Ali ibn Abi Talib, he has to address all of that. And so brothers and sisters, it's unfortunate that during Imam Ali's time, all of these things, all of these problems starting raining, raining down on Ali salam. And so on one hand, the Battle of Jamal opens the doors to civil strife, civil war, and battles happening amongst the Muslimin themselves. It had never happened before. During the previous three Khulafa, there was no civil strife in that sense, no civil battles, but now we have this. And so now, in my very humble opinion, Muawiyah sees that, okay, we can fight the Khalifa to Muslimin. The Battle of Jamal showed us that this is a possibility. And so the Battle of Siffin takes place. The Battle of Siffin is again is between Muawiyah and Ali alayhi salam. And once again, there are a lot of details that I'm just skipping here. I'm just trying to show the role Muawiyah plays in all of this and leading up to Ashura. Directly or indirectly, however you want to see it. The Battle of Siffin takes place. Muawiyah is about to get killed alongside Amr bin al-As. But then the Khawarij, they stand up against Imam Ali salam after the trickery portrayed by the, um, the the army of Sham and those who were on the side of Muawiyah, they show the Qur'ans to the Muslimin, they raise the Qur'ans high so that the Muslimin can see those who are on the side of Ali salam to see that look, you're fighting us but we're also uh, adherents to the Qur'an, we follow the Qur'an, this is our book as well and so the people are fooled by this um, you've all probably heard this story of Safin and the Khawarij later on of course to become Khawarij these people who later on went to become Khawarij they stood up against Ali although they're part of his army and they said no we're not going to fight though we're not going to fight those people if they're Muslim too and so as a result they forced Imam Ali to stop the war although Muawiyah was that close to getting killed by Malik al-Ashtar and so the arbitration is imposed up, uh, upon Imam Ali salam. once again there are a lot of details here the arbitration um, pushes Imam Ali to have negotiation, so to speak, with Muawiyah. And Muawiyah has the time to go back now and figure things out for himself. He was that close to getting killed, but he got saved by that trickery. This arbitration, the problem with it was that a lot of things went, went wrong in it. One of them being that Muawiyah... He came out of this arbitration, which happened like maybe a year after the Battle of Safin. So people had to go back and figure things out for a while. And then the arbitration took place. It's not like it happened during the Battle of Safin or like two days after the battle stopped. No, it happened uh, some time after. And so what comes out of this arbitration, brothers and sisters, I'll I'll, I will only mention this much, is that Muawiyah now sees himself as Khalifa al-Muslimin actually, for whatever reason it was. Yes, this arbitration, he kind of uh, took advantage of the one who was representing Imam Ali in this arbitration, uh, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, which that itself was something that was imposed on the Imam, that he represents the Imam. Um, so what happens is that Muawiyah now sees himself as Khalifa al-Muslimin. Ali ibn Abi Talib says, no, 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 this is not right. Even if there's an arbitration, we were going to do the arbitration based on the Qur'an, what the Qur'an says. If Muawiyah, you sent a representative and I sent a representative, it was for them to figure out what the Qur'an says. But the Qur'an never says that you can just take someone out of power that is Khalifa to muslimin and then give it all to someone else being Muawiyah. No, that's not how it works. We're going to fight again. So Ali starts putting together an army. 
and wants to make his way towards Sham, and he does actually leave Kufa for Sham. But on the way, the Khawarij are causing issues. Imam Ali has to fight them off. And after he fights them off, his own army is just not in the mood anymore to go to Sham and fight Muawiyah again. And so here, people start asking the Imam to just let them off the hook. And can we go back to, to Kufa, our families, this and that? And things just die out. And Imam Ali here in Nahjul Balagha, when it comes to this part of history, is really, really upset at the, at the people of Kufa. And he's telling them that, you know, what are you doing? Like, this is it. We have to do this. But no, no one, no one's in, no one wants to do this anymore. And so Ali ibn Abi Talib has to um, give up that plan that he had of fighting Muawiyah. Now, is Muawiyah going to sit silently here and not do anything? Muawiyah, on the other hand, when he sees that the authority of Ali is weakening, he rages havoc and terror across the Muslim lands that were in the jurisdiction of uh, Imam Ali salam. He sends his people, he sends his henchmen, he sends his generals and commanders. People like the Hakub ibn Qais, Busr bin Abi Artah, Sufyan bin Auf al-Ghamidi. These are people that Imam Ali speaks about in Nahjul Balagha. What do they do? They go to different cities that are under the rule of Ali salam, and they just start killing people and looting those, those cities. You know, hit and run situations where they'll hit that place and run with an army of maybe 2,000, 4,000, whatever, 600, 700, I don't remember the numbers exactly. The numbers fluctuate, of course. And by the time Imam Ali can send an army to counter them, they're already gone. So they are bringing instability. They are bringing fear to the hearts of the Muslims across these lands. And you can only imagine a person like Ali ibn, Ali ibn Abi Talib who has been through two battles already, or three, excuse me, uh, Sufin Jamal Nahrawan, he's been through these three. Then his, pe his people don't have that resolve anymore to support him. People aren't in the mood to go and fight Muawiyah anymore. His authority is weakening. The only thing left, the last thing that you would want is for the Muslims in general to now have just, just fear and instability in their lives. What's going to happen to the rule of a person like Ali in this situation? It is so sad. It is so sad when you read the khutbas of Nahjul Balagha how Imam Ali is speaking. Like you don't remember him ever speaking like this with this much grief, anger, sorrow, whatever you want to call it. He is so upset at his people for doing this. And so eventually Imam Ali is assassinated by these same Khawarij that caused Nahrawan, that caused and imposed the arbitration in Safin and didn't let things end they were, the way they were supposed to. Imam Ali is assassinated. Now Muawiyah has no one to, in, in, you know, to counter him really. Imam Hassan becomes Khalifa. He's kind of also no match for Muawiyah. Why? Because Muawiyah has all the support he needs. Imam Hassan doesn't have the support he needs. And so after a little bit of time, Imam Hassan salam, about six months, they say, Imam Hassan has to sign that ceasefire with Muawiyah. Muawiyah, what does he do? I mean, he's not going to stop at that. Muawiyah wants to undo, we say he wants to undo everything that the Prophet had done and so he's going to get to work now and so he starts first of all there are the righteous ones that he takes out both during Imam Ali's time and after that for example Malik bin Ashtar Muawiyah's henchmen poisoned him we believe of course Muhammad bin Abi Bakr this companion of Imam Ali and not just companion of Imam Ali you can say the son of Imam Ali as if although he was the biological son of Abu Bakr but after Abu Bakr died 
Imam Ali, he takes Muhammad bin Abi Bakr into his home because he marries his mother and raises him as his own. Muhammad bin Abi Bakr was a child and he grew up with Imam Ali a close companion and not even a companion. We call him the son of Imam Ali in a sense. This He is murdered in the worst way and the henchmen of Muawiyah, they disrespect the body, the dead body of Muhammad bin Abi Bakr by putting him in the carcass of a donkey and lighting the whole thing and setting it ablaze. Hujr bin Adi and his companions, I talked about them before as well. Imam Hussein later on brings this up to Muawiyah. He says, aren't you the one who killed Hujr and his companions? Amr bin Hamiq al-Khuza'i, you're the one who killed. So all of these righteous individuals, Muawiyah has their, their blood on his hands, directly, indirectly, however you want to see it. But he's the one behind it in our eyes. And that's not all. He goes and gets bay'ah for Yazid. There was a peace treaty, there was a ceasefire with Imam al-Hasan. One of those conditions we say is that, that history reflects to us is that uh, after Muawiyah, Khilafah goes back to Imam Hassan if Imam Hassan is alive and if not it goes back to Imam Hussein. But this was not honored. This condition was not honored. Yes. And so what does uh, Muawiyah do after Imam Hassan's death? And as Muawiyah feels that okay his own death is now maybe approaching it's time to get bay'ah for Yazid and so he goes around getting bay'ah for Yazid in Sham all the way to the point that he even sees that you know the people of Hijaz are not really giving their bay'ah. So he goes to Hijaz and gets bay'ah from the people Mecca, Medina for Yazid. Come on, everyone knows who Yazid is, Muawiyah. Why are you getting bay'ah for him? And so all of these things, brothers and sisters, that he has done are what lead up to Ashura taking place eventually. We can't just focus and zoom in on the day of Ashura itself. Who drew swords against Imam Hussein? This is a big issue. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to trace it back to its roots. Well, some of the roots go back to Muawiyah and what he did. Now, some will revere him. will say, okay, these were his mistakes then. At least acknowledge that these were mistakes. For us, of course, as Shia, we believe, no, there was a lot of deliberation here. It was all deliberation. Mistakes by those who preceded Muawiyah and then Muawiyah taking advantage of all these things. For 20 years, brothers and sisters, after Ali ibn Abi Talib, Muawiyah ruled. Yes, 10 years during Imam Hassan's time, 10 years during Imam Hussein's time. And then he eventually died, and then Yazid becomes Khalifa, and we all know the story from there. They say that the Prophet made him one of the scribes for transcribing the Qur'an. They call him Katibul Wahi. We don't believe in that. We don't believe that. Even if it was, it was for a short period of time, but when you go and look at actual the actual research that has been done, they will say that no, it wasn't even that he was a Katibul Wahi, it was more of him just being someone who wrote some of the letters of the Prophet after he had become Muslim. As you all know, for strategic reasons, the Prophet he gave certain responsibilities to Abu Sufyan, to Muawiyah and them afterwards, but we also have that he was not happy with them. So it's very famous that the Prophet cursed Muawiyah because on, a, on one occasion he kept uh, summoning Muawiyah and Muawiyah kept not coming. He's like, I'm eating or something like that. And the Prophet sent his curse upon him and said, may you never be filled when you eat. These kinds of things you have in history. So like, okay, it was a strategic thing the Prophet did, but to put this unwan on him, this title, this medal of honor to give it as, as Katibul Wahi, excuse me, 
how much how much did the the prophet live after muawiyah was forced to become muslim a few months a year how much so in that period of time if he let's just say he is a scribe of the prophet and he is transcribing the quran even let's say let's concede for argument's sake here and say he was katib al-wahid there were many others who were writing the quran much longer than him why is it that this is boldened when it comes to muawiyah yeah, we feel that these are things that were done throughout history to save his face. Or for example, he is referred to as referred to as Khalul Mu'minin, the uncle of the Mu'minin. Why? Because his sister Um Habiba was married to the Prophet. And so that makes him, because he's the brother of the wife of the Prophet, and the wife of the Prophet is Ummul Mu'minin. So that makes him the brother of Ummul Mu'minin, i.e. the uncle of the mu'minin. Well, excuse me, didn't the Prophet have many other wives? Didn't they have brothers? How come no one else is referred to as Khalil mu'minin? Anyway, in long story short, brothers and sisters, Islam, it just took a turn for the worse after Imam Ali salam was assassinated, as a, and as a matter of fact, a little before that even. And uh, I would say during the time of Imam Ali, with all those problems that the people imposed upon Imam Ali, but the likes of Muawiyah took advantage of these mistakes, and... Ashura eventually ended up taking place. Now, it reached the point even that, I mean, look at how good a job Muawiyah was doing in Sham. That it reached the point that in Sham, the people thought that the Banu Umayyah are the actual family of the Prophet. If the word Ahlul Bayt is used, Bani Umayyah are Ahlul Bayt. Why? Because they are at the end of the day distant cousins of the Holy Prophet. They are, they're all in Quraysh. And so the people had been convinced that uh, there is there is only one Ahlul Bayt and that is Banu Umayyah. Th that's how good a job he had done in Sham. And this was going to spread throughout the Muslim Ummah eventually. But of course, Muawiyah eventually dies. And Imam Hussein puts a stop to things to an extent at least. And uh, Yazid and Banu Umayyah are exposed. Although they did rule for another like 80, 90 years or so through Bani Marwan. Anyway, I want to end with this now. Uh, this is in the book of Ayatollah Bahjat. Um, of course, Ayatollah Bahjat doesn't have any books that he's written, but this is a book called Dar Mahzara Bahjat, In the Presence of Bahja. Um, in this book, it's just some of the things that he would say in his dars, some of the points that he would say in his dars, in the fiqh, uh, Bahd al-Kharij fiqh that he would uh, deliver um, as a marja' taqlid, Ayatollah Bahjat would. You know, he would have some pointers in the beginning and the end, some nice points and nuggets, um, of information that he would share with people. So this is a compilation of all of those. It's not in English though. One of those, in one of those, he says this. This is page 133 of volume 1. He says, We still don't know that Muawiyah and Amr As, Amr bin Al-As, what they did to the Muslims. We still don't understand the magnitude of what they did. And then he goes on to say, he says, he would say that after every wajib salat, yes, I send my la'an upon Muawiyah. I mean, the ziyarah is also doing the same thing. Ziyarat Ashura is doing the same thing. It says, Allahumma al'an Aba Sufyana wa Muawiyah. He says, after every wajib salat, I would send my la'an upon Muawiyah. Why? Because all of the problems and corruption that came in ensuing centuries after him, I see those to go back to him. He is the root of all of those problems. Yes, and so brothers and sisters, it is very important as a Shia to understand what the likes of Muawiyah did. How if Ashura took place, 
we're not going to just focus on the Yazids, not focus only on the Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and Umar ibn Sa'ad and Shims and the Kufans. There's a lot that happened before it and a lot of it had to do with Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa